The Model T set a standard in transportation. The Model A brought new efficiency and advance in engineering. And now, the V8. I was going to have to educate the high school on the subject of hot rods. How to take a jalopy and really make it move. Please do not call Eric Black an artist. As he puts it, that title is just way too hard to live up to. He is much more comfortable with the title designer. I can screw things up and get away with it much easier as a designer, he says. A diverse design background has given Eric a unique perspective to the pieces he creates. His involvement with modern architecture allows him to see how the design of the new is affected by the design of the old. His work with traditional hot rod and custom design also allows him to use the use of historical precedent and restraint to design custom cars that could have rolled right out of the mid-century. And that is from the book Masters of Chicken Scratch by Dwayne Vance. And today for episode 17 of the podcast, I'm very pleasured to have the man himself, Mr. Eric Black. How are you? Hi, Noah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And if, if, you, if we sound funny, it is currently 30 degrees in the <laughs> shop right now. So, so we're going to see how long we can make it and uh, chat it up before we, we get too cold and tap out. But I'm very excited to have you on. I've followed your work for a while now, and I'm a big fan of what you do. So thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, Noah. Uh, I'm from Wyoming, so um, I'm pretty hardy when it comes to uh, temperatures. So we'll, mm-hmm. I, I think I'll be okay. And, well, that's and good. I, I have my uh, I have my wool on, so that's I'm, good. I'm good. Yeah, you're looking stylish. <laughs> I like the coat. Is that a, a ship, John? Jacket? This is a, a ship, John, uh, Dean. Uh, collaboration mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's the most comfortable thing I've ever I've ever owned and I wear it I wear it probably too much but uh, it looks good dude I yeah like you that. might see me in July in it it's so comfortable <laughs> that's the that's the one thing I was just telling Greg Macy the other day is I, I hate the cold but I love being able to wear jackets and you know kind of the stuff you can wear when it is colder yeah layering is good Layering yeah. is your friend I, I actually had a, a a larger sweater underneath this and i was like uh what's his name randy on a christmas story uh-huh. i couldn't put my arms yeah. down so i yeah. had to switch out but you 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 gave me fair warning so i'm, I'm i did here and, and I did. Uh, hopefully i won't be sniffling so yeah we'll, see. well i'm already sniffling so <laughs> but anyways yeah that that ship john guy i've seen some of the work that he's done and didn't he do like the upholstery in one of your in one of your cars so uh mike is uh and his crew now uh, is super talented. I, I met Mike uh, with Ship John. Um, uh, just for those of you that don't know, uh, it's a basically a very high-end um, clothier in uh, in Portland, um, and uh, they make just some fantastic stuff. Uh, and I met uh, Mike kind of when he was transitioning from being a little one-man shop to uh, partnering with Stephen and and. Uh, taking that business uh, 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 kind of to where it is now, which I, I don't know how many employees he has, but uh, it's a really awesome company. And um, yeah, you mentioned the the interior. So I've been working on this T-Roadster forever. Um, and uh, I just always, ever since I met him, I've just been enamored with the type of work that he does and the type of detail and um, I thought, man, that I could see that working in the right car, and and I don't, I don't necessarily think I I steered the car in the direction that would um, specifically for him, but it I guess the light bulb went off, and I thought, man, I I'd really like to see him uh, to see his hand on this car. Um, that's a longer story. I had a lot of people involved in that in that project. We can go into that a little bit, but um, when I I talked to Mike. Um, firstly, just 
asking him if I could use the material that he uses in his now uh, super famous Will's jacket. And it's a, it's like a waxed canvas, but it has a little mm-hmm. bit of stretch to it, but it's very hardy. And I thought, man, that'd make a cool uh, seat material, uh, pretty much bulletproof, and uh, it, but also weathers really well. And I asked him if he'd be open to that, and he says, well, why don't you just let me do the whole interior? And so one thing led to another, and, and uh, very soon he's going to be he's going to be working on that. That's so I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, I'm That's super awesome. excited to see to see his involvement in it. Yeah, I've I've always been super impressed with his work too. You know, like we were talking about layering and and kind of the it's it's not so much like I wouldn't say vintage, but kind of the rugged rugged wear that's vintage inspired. You know, it's, I feel like what he does, it's not so hard of really trying hard to make it look old. Yeah, his stuff is real live work where I think there are a lot of companies that are out there that just sort of pretend and, and yeah. his, nope, I, 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 use, I wear that Will's jacket quite a bit and uh, I don't think I can break it. Yeah. <laughs> I've had other jackets that are similar that, that I've, I've wasted pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely cool to have something that's handmade, you know, and I think some people that I've talked to, they've kind of looked at his prices and they're like, oh, well, that's expensive for a shirt. And I'm like, that's a handmade like shirt that will probably never wear out, though. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? But everybody's so used to spending 20 bucks on a shirt and wear it for a little bit and then throw it away. Which one's worse, you know? Yeah, there's certainly something to, to say about having something made specifically for you. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of those things in my life, but um, I have a pair of uh, Wesco boots that I had made and, and uh, this hat right here I had made for me. It's a nice hat, man. Um, I, the way I look at it is, yeah, you, could, you can go and spend a whole lot less on something, but to have something specifically made for you yeah. is, is, is a really special thing, especially when it's something that's going to last for forever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of like, like your work. Like I want you to explain. Let's to keep people talking who, about Mike. It's who, easier who, to talk about. <laughs> well, we'll see. I know that's why we have to get into your work. So for people who don't know, which I think there's probably very few people who are listening to this who don't know, kind of explain what your work is and what you do and what is e-black design. So um, it, it's a little bit hard to tell people what I do for a living with mm-hmm. a straight face. Um, and, and usually, um, I, I shouldn't say usually, but very often people will not quite get it. Um, and uh, if I see that look on their face, I'm like, oh, you don't really um, understand it all. Um, I, I basically help rich people waste money is mm-hmm. what I do. <laughs> um, that's a good, I'm going to start describing my business as that. That's a good uh, way to put yeah, it. Yeah. So in rather than um, just drawing cars, which I've been drawing since I was, uh, since I could hold a pencil, um, I, uh, I am a design consultant uh, on projects. Um, and I've, I guess I've sort of uh, figured out how to, um, I guess, define my role uh, in the industry, uh, in that way where there are a lot of talented, uh, people who are really, really good at drawing cars and, and, um, uh, they end up being sort of the rendering, uh, uh, service, uh, on a project where uh, a builder will call them up and, and, uh, you know, they have a, an idea for a project and, and have a rendering done rather than, uh, than that, I try to, uh, I guess, insert myself into a larger role on a project uh, and actually be um, 
uh, be there as a consultant from uh, as early on as I get on a project uh, all the way through to the end. So rather than just providing a, a, a rendering that gets you know used at the beginning of a project, I try to see it through um, in a larger role. Mm-hmm. So do you find that most of the people that come to you are not just looking for a rendering, but they know you're going to be the person who they can get some advice and consulting from? It's a good question. I think that, I guess through the year, when I first started doing this, um, I was still working in architecture. And um, uh, for the last 10 years, I've been doing this uh, full time. And in those years, like I've, um, I've worked with, I can't even count how many builders I've worked with, but I would I, safe to say that I've worked with the top builders um, that there are in this industry, <clears throat> and some of them, uh, some of them use me, uh, you know, sort of just as a rendering service, and where they'll have me involved at the beginning of a project, and then um, they kind of you know tail off and and uh, do their thing, and I never hear from them. Uh, and then I've, I've had, and that was sort of at the beginning of, of my journey. Um, and then, uh, every once in a while I'd run into a, a builder, um, who would rely on me much more heavily. Um, and I found that I really enjoyed that, um, uh, to, to the point where, um, you know, some builders, they won't make a decision without consulting with me on it, mm-hmm. uh, and helping me test them and, Work, test an idea or work through an idea and um, uh, I, I think that through the years I've found that that's where my that's what my role is that's 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 what I bring to the table um, so uh, I think part of the issue is is realizing that I work on a bunch of projects at any given time so right now I, I'm juggling 50 projects oh my uh, god which that sounds like a lot, but obviously I'm not like you, you know, working on one project mm-hmm. or two projects. You're you're hyper focused on that project yeah. for a year or whatever. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'm able to bounce around, which actually works pretty well for my for my ADD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, I guess the thing that I figured out pretty quickly um, is that whether somebody has me on a project for 10 hours or a hundred hours, my brain goes fully invested into their project. So, um, you know, whatever it is, if let's say somebody's building a 32 Ford and they don't really know what they want to do and they want to test a bunch of ideas. Um, you know, once I take that project on, um, you know, I'm being paid for the hours that I'm doing the drawing. Um, but I'm thinking about it all the time. So yeah. if even if I'm working on somebody else's project, I'll you know I have this little Rolodex of projects going through my head, and uh, I'm trying to, I guess, solve problems. You know, even when I'm not when I'm not drawing. So that made me realize that the 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 highest and best use of of my time uh, is really just um, helping uh, builders solve problems. Um, in, in, in a larger scope role than just providing a drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever have customers that come to you with, with, cause I, I think sometimes I get this too. Somebody who kind of has an idea, but they're almost having different eras and different designs and different styles kind of meshing into one. Do you ever feel like sometimes you kind of have to 
help those people steer them in kind of a direction and be like, okay, listen, we kind of got five different things going on here. And if you do, how do you usually go about that? Every single day, mm-hmm. <laughs> every single day. That's the case. Basically. Um, I, I, th- I think that a lot of this, uh, when we're, when I'm dealing with a, with a builder, uh, especially if I'm dealing with a builder where my aesthetic is, is really on the same page with them. Um, what, very often what we're trying to do is to get the customer to um, kind of focus. And it's exactly what you're saying. Um, very often you'll get a, a, a customer, um, regardless of whether they've had a project built before or not, they come in with a, a thousand ideas. And I think it's great um, yeah. to, to see um, the excitement of those ideas. And then it's just a matter of saying, well, you know, look, this is going to end up being a real thing. Let's, let's kind of, you know, tailor it to, to a specific style or a specific uh, period. If we're going for a period style build and very often I'm, um, you know, my role is to bring restraint to a project rather than to add ideas. Very often I'm sort of picking ideas and helping people make, you know, make thoughtful decisions that work with each other. Mm hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I, I think I like I like the way that you said that, adding restraint rather than more ideas. Because I feel like that, I, I agree. That's kind of what I find myself doing a lot of times too, is, you know, a customer will come with a whole bunch of ideas and then it's like, okay, well, we got to, we got to, you know, let loose of some of these to actually make it functional or to actually, you know, make the project make sense, you know? Yeah. But it's always, I feel like treading on thin ice, you know, because cause if somebody has an idea, usually they're very, very attached to that idea emotionally too. So it's, it's hard to find a way that you can tell them that maybe that idea might not be the best or that idea might not work out the best functionally without, you know, offending them. Cause you don't want to offend anybody or be like, well, that's a retarded idea or anything like that. <laughs> right. But, but sometimes there are ideas that that just might not work out the best, you know? Yeah. Have you ever heard the term good, t- good cop, bad cop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm very often the bad cop. Yeah. yeah. And the builder <laughs> so, gets to be the good well, cop. Well, and it makes sense. I mean, the builder is it, very often is the one building that has a relationship with the, uh, yeah. with the customer. You get to be the third party guy I on can, the phone. Yeah. Like, no, we're not doing that. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't mind that role because it's yeah. that sort of, that is sort of my, my job in a nutshell is to keep, um, keep, uh, unfortunate things from happening. Uh, I guess I think I see very often I see, you know, very, very good idea, uh, like the big idea of a project or call it a project as a whole. Uh, the, the concept of it is, is really awesome. But then as the, you know, as the execution happens, um, the clarity of that concept goes away. And, and sometimes it's, it's, uh, you kind of lose sight of what you're aiming for to begin with. Um, what I call the reference, I always say, go back to the reference when it comes, when we're talking about design, like what, what are we trying to do here? Um, and then, uh, I think that very often, um, not to speak ill of of the, of an end customer, but very often the the uh, an end client can get overly concerned about certain things to the point where they can squeeze the life right out of a project. Um, and 
I'm always amazed that that these cars get built. I mean, if you realize mm-hmm. how, like, I don't think that anybody that that has ever actually gone through an entire project, I don't, I, I, I'm guessing they have really no clue how entirely difficult it is to take something from a concept all the way completely through uh, to to finish completion to the level that these cars are built nowadays. It's just and it's well, not only not only that for that one specific car, but in order to make a living and you know, feed yourself as a builder, you have to have multiple projects going on at once. Yes. You know? So you have to, you have to satisfy this customers once and, you know, fulfill them and give them a product that, you know, that they set out to, to have when they first came to you. But you also have to do that for, you know, however many other customers you have at the time, you know, so it's it makes it even dance. more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, some builders are very, very good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, others, um, uh, can, can struggle, um, maintaining i guess that that amount of order when it comes to, and it's it's really up to the builder to decide how big they want their shop to be mm-hmm. um and how you know how how much they're willing to let their their brain get consumed by all these all, all of these projects i i did some work for a, a builder um over the years uh maybe three or four projects maybe just three uh, Dave Lane, are you familiar with? Uh-uh, I don't with think Dave so. Lane? Um, fantastic builder, uh, and he really only does one car at a time, uh, and he and he does it uh, for the real want of of being as focused as he can for that one customer um, at a time, and it makes a lot of sense when you when you see some of the other, the way the way things can get thrown around in 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 another scenario it works really well for him and and i'm surprised more builders don't do that yeah it's just it's hard because um you know that's the economics of that is is sometimes very difficult so if you have a big shop with you know three or eight or 12 employees that's just not feasible right from a from a financial standpoint so i get it but it i always really liked uh working with dave um, there's there's a lot of respect in that because because I would imagine that he probably you know he he lowers his profit intentionally to make sure that his product is you know higher and making sure everything is top quality because he would probably be able to you know have a lot more money if he was you know working on all these projects at once and trying to balance them all but he probably and I'm not saying that he doesn't make good money but but he probably intentionally takes a pay cut in order to make sure that his product and his art is actually to the highest quality that he can make it. Yeah. I mean, his business model is just different. His, yeah. his, his, uh, was a practice whereas, uh, rather than a, than a, than a complete business with mm-hmm. employees. So it's, a, it's sort of a different animal. Yeah. Um, what he did have was very, very good, um, uh, what I call patron clients, patron customers who, who they just love what he did and they, they were willing to wait uh, right. firstly cuz if you're going to get on a, on on the waiting list you're going to wait a while um and then um but they knew that that the the end product would come out just fantastic that's that's another good point yeah. is you have to have a high enough quality product and a good enough brand that somebody is willing to wait yeah you know because for a lot of shops if if you know you're just a regular hot rod shop and you tell them oh well you got to wait 2 years oh well I'll go to another place but if you have enough branding and enough you know, quality enough product, people are going to be willing to wait two years in order to get yours specifically. Right. Yeah. I, and 
I, I think all of the builders that I work with deal with with either having to say no to a potentially really cool project um, or having to make a customer wait longer than 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 they really want to. I mean, yeah. I, I have um, over the last uh, five or six years um, really juggled schedule um, to to the point of it being painful, you know, trying to make sure that everybody um, that I was doing the best service for everybody. And then this year um, I made the decision to just close my books. So um, I, I don't, I'm not taking any new clients uh, uh, at least for this year, just because the projects that I have right now, I just want to do the best work that I can yep. for them. Yeah. Well, I don't think you'll, when you, when you open your books back up, I don't think you'll have any shortage of people coming we'll see. to you. <laughs> <laughs> None yeah. of this stuff is guaranteed. That's so. true. None of it's guaranteed. But I mean, I think I think with uh, the stuff that you do, I think that you'll have. And it's almost kind of like when you do close your books, it creates this. You know, makes it exclusive. Oh, Eric! Eric closed his books. That, that means, wasn't. That, that means wasn't when they're. That means when they're back open, <laughs> we better get on it. You yeah. know. Well, it, it, it's this work is is hard because it, it, I guess scheduling this work is hard just because. Um, uh, I think the builders are relying on, on customers to come in with a project idea. Yeah. And I've been trying to slowly flip that on its ear a little bit. Um, I, part of it came from out of, I guess a little bit of frustration when I'd see something that I had worked on and put a lot of mental investment in and it just wasn't executed the way, um, that I had hoped. And that there's not a lot that I can do about that. Yeah. Um, that's, and again, there's, there's no real fault. It's just kind of the nature of, of the way this work is. Um, and then also I, I think looking around and, and you and I had a little conversation about this earlier, uh, you know, builders very often are taking the jobs that walk in the door. Um, and sometimes they're great projects and sometimes they're not the best ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping uh, at least I'm I'm starting to change the way that works. At least for me, I <clears throat> I I had this idea before really uh, Instagram had taken off, where um, it, you know I have a bunch of concept ideas in my head, whether they were projects that had started um, and, and and halted, or like a concept that I w had done for a customer that didn't move forward, or if it was just something some goofy idea that I had in my head. Um, I have a, a ton of those ideas. Some of them are good. <laughs> um, and so I thought it would be useful, um, at least for the builder clients that I have, my trusted builder clients, uh, to have, um, uh, I guess, at their disposal, they, ha they could have a pile of projects that they could go and pick one or two from and go to pitch to a, a right, customer to right. see if it's something that they would want to build. And, uh, but I didn't know how to share that because we're in this sort of copy and paste world where, uh, anything that's out there and whether it's social media or internet or whatever it is, uh, can easily be, you know, taken by somebody else. You just and, turn it and... into an NFT. Don't you know? <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. Once it's an NFT, nobody can steal it. Right. Yeah. That's how uh, they Right. There yeah, you I'm, go. I, I'm e black totally, NFTs. <laughs> totally ignorant to the NFT world. Oh. But um, I did come up with with an idea. I said, well, Instagram 
has the ability to, uh, you can have a private account. Mm -hmm. So I have my main Instagram account, and then I came up with this, what I call special projects. Mm -hmm. And it's just a dumb account that every now and then I'll throw up an idea on. Um, but I, it, it only has, I think it only has like 50 or so followers, but those are all followers that, that I work with. Those right. are all built for the most part, builders and some, in some aspects, uh, end customers that I trust. Um, and it, it's just a place for them to see if I come up with, you know, some crazy idea, I can throw it on there and, um, uh, and, and they can, they can take it and, and, and use it. it there's obviously an agreement mm-hmm. um, that we have uh, if it moves forward, but that was, that's just sort of my, call it pet project, uh, trying to figure out how to, instead of waiting for the, for the projects that, that come to me, I can, I can say, well, I'd really like to work on, um, you know, a, an Italian inspired coupe, right. all hand, all handmade, uh, everything one off. Um, that sounds like a crazy idea, but, um, I can go, I can, I can show that to a builder and they can pitch it to a customer or right. I can pitch it to a customer. Myself. So when you, when you first started, did you find yourself in a situation where you're just doing renderings for some stuff you're not totally thrilled about, or did you really start off from the beginning only doing the stuff that you believe in and also applying your consulting? So I really lucked out in that sense, and it was just by dumb luck. I didn't, I didn't plan this. This is just sort of how, how, it, how it all evolved. Um, I, I went to architecture school. Basically, I, didn't, I guess I never really thought that, that this type of job even existed. Yeah. Um, I had no interest in, in, no interest in uh, designing new cars. That, that was yeah. just not but, in the but cars But you had for an me. interest in cars I, before I, this. Always, yeah. yeah. Um, so I chose the architecture sort of safe route um, and then realized that wasn't the way that I wanted to make a living. <clears throat> so, but while I was in architecture for about mm, five or six years, I guess, I, I sort of, I guess, slid into the, into the automotive design world. Um, a, a great friend, Tim Burnsow at, uh, at then, uh, Rod and Custom, uh, got me a, a, a pretty neat little gig that, that put me in front of the right people, uh, that turned into just, I call it, I call it a paid, a, a paying hobby, um, while I was working in architecture, basically just side work, uh, designing cars, um, firstly for the magazines and then and then it just kind of worked into working with builders but by doing that uh, I wasn't reliant on that income so I didn't have to take mm-hmm. a job if it didn't seem like something that I that was where I knew I wanted to right. go so I feel very lucky that um, that I was able to sort of stumble stumble into this profession that way and then um, uh, through a series of unfortunate events in architecture, mm-hmm. one of which uh, was I started I started a firm in at the end of 2007, right at the beginning of 2008, which couldn't have been worse timing. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Wait, you're you're telling me nobody was building things oh, at this man. time? What? Uh, it was it was bad news. Yeah, but um, that was a that complete failure, which it, it absolutely was. Um, is why I'm doing this full time, and yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that, that it that's happened. probably. 
I mean, I would think you couldn't be more thankful that for that failure though. Right? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. you know, cause you think at the time, like, damn it, like failure, Ugh, you know, went out, set out on this business venture and, and something that's completely not to a fault of your own, you know, the whole entire oh, there was economy a lot of faults of my own. Well, I mean, <laughs> I but, I mean but I mean, 2008, you know, we can't yeah. blame you for all of 2008. So, so the economy collapses, nobody's wanting buildings. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, okay, now where do we go? And the next thing you know, now you're here designing cars and probably the way that, you know, like you said, you never would have imagined you would have been here. Yeah. So I, I do feel very lucky in that. I don't know if I ever would have made the jump, uh, in, unless that had happened so yeah. I, I feel very how long did you do the designing on the side before oh, about five or six years uh-huh. um and it was i it wasn't there wasn't a lot of i can't remember you know how like how much time i spent you know on a weekly basis on it but it was just it was more i was just very driven to do it and i didn't yeah. have to do it but i was and i did again i didn't really think that it was going to turn into a job um but uh but I'm, I'm thankful it all worked out that yeah, way. Yeah, now look at where you are. I think that's pretty rad, man. That's a very cool story. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, one cool thing is like I wanted to talk to you about is working with Delmo and especially seeing your truck out here with the four-wheel drive stuff. That Was was that kind of the inspiration from Delmo or like where did, where did that all work off? Because I know that, I mean, I followed Delmo for a while doing the whole slammed C10 thing and now he's going into the, the four-wheel drive world. So, so yeah, Del's the man. Um and uh i i've always been interested in in hot rods um ever since i was a kid um but i also was very in uh into uh pickup trucks uh-huh. uh, in 4x4 specifically growing up and i got away from it a little bit and then it c- kind of came back i don't remember exactly how what what got me back being interested into uh into four wheel drives but um I think part of it was when I bought my my F100. Uh, I've had that truck 15, going on 16 years now, and uh, when I bought it, it was um, a two-wheel drive, stock suspension two-wheel drive. It had had a, a you know a tired 302 and a C4 that were swapped into it, um, and I bought it from uh, San Diego or uh, Borrego Springs, which is east of San Diego. And the the owner's name was Oki McNatt. So Oki I bought this. Oki McNatt. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's he, so fucking awesome. I bought it from an Oki. That's yeah. awesome. So um, he he had bought it from the original owner. So I'm third owner. Yeah. Um, he had bought it uh, from the original owner with the intention of just parking it in mm-hmm. front of his antique store. Oh my in, God, uh, Julian. So yeah, so when I bought that truck, it was stock two wheel drive suspension. So Oki bought it for his store. Yeah, and then you. I bought yeah. it from Oki, uh, and so I uh, I drove it sort of that way for a while, and it was uh, it was pretty whooped. Mm-hmm. Good truck, but just you know the suspension was tired, yep. the motor was everything was tired. Um, and then in 2012, I did a uh, I lowered it and. Uh, put in a 306 and a five speed mm-hmm. and um when i did that i it just it kind of lost its truckness yeah. <laughs> to me those those trucks i think those trucks look really really good lowered with the how you know short the wheelbase is and and just how how uh small they are but everybody does that yeah and it does it, lose and, its truckness um yeah. I mean, it, I I love the look. It mm-hmm. just to me 
you know, it just, I, I, I just felt like it just didn't feel like a truck to me yeah. anymore. And, yeah. and I guess maybe I'm not a lowered truck guy. I love the way they look, but just from a drivability standpoint, it drove fine, but, uh, it drove okay. It had a lot of issues. I did the work. So mm-hmm. there are a lot, there were a lot of issues. <laughs> um, Hey, well, you know what, if, if you can at least do the work, that's impressive with how you can draw. I can't draw a stick figure. So cut yourself some slack here. Well, we might have some people that chime in and say how <laughs> good that work is or how bad that work is. Um, but, uh, where am I going with that? Oh, um, you're telling me about it was lowered. You didn't like oh, it. Oh, so yeah. So I, I guess I always had it in my head that I would, that I wanted to do something different with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right around that same time, I, I had come up with this kind of, um, this concept of, of taking mid fifties or mid to late fifties into early seventies pickup trucks of all different makes and coming up with uh, like a standardized chassis that would work with all of them because dimensionally it's amazing how close all of these trucks really are. There are a couple that are a little bit kind of odd, odd numbers, but for the most part, you know, pickup truck is a pickup truck and they're within, you know, dimensionally they're within a, a couple of inches wheelbase and track width and all that stuff. So I thought, man, you could, if you could come up with a, uh, a chassis that would work, across the board, uh, for the most part, um, and come up with like a, basically a standardized wheelbase that all, all of these trucks have with a couple little tweaks, you can come up with something that's kind of cool. And so I had had this idea and I, I was ready to pitch it to another, uh, client of mine, builder client of mine. And I had pitched some stuff to him before. I'm not going to say who it is. Uh, I had pitched some stuff to him before, and it was always like, oh, that's cool. Throw it up on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever happens from it. Um, and I had done a little bit of work with Dell. I didn't know him very well, but I had done a little bit of work with, with him. Huge respect for his work mm-hmm. and, and uh, massive respect for the following that he had, that he had gained, and, and like his – like. Um, if you're into lower trucks, you know Dell. Yep, and and I absolutely. thought, you know, for good reason. That's great work, especially C10s, especially too. Exactly. Yeah. So um, he had just made the move from Burbank to Arizona, and I thought, man, why? Uh, I wonder if he'd be interested in something like this. Like it's kind of completely opposite of it's what he exactly was doing. Exactly opposite. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I I I pitched Dell the idea, and and. Uh, you know the the concepts were pretty early but the the same basic idea was was pretty much there and we hit it off really well uh, on that and uh, decided to go for it and and uh he's doing it so that's awesome i mean that's i think that's probably why those projects gained so much uh attention is because like you said that's the exact opposite of what he was doing you know he like you said, if you know lowered trucks, then you know Dell. And so the fact that, you know, all of a sudden he's doing lifted trucks now, so crazy. And I yeah. think they're so great, too. Yeah, I mean, um, his style and uh, his version, um, what I would consider the Delmo look, um, I hope that's not a cliche term, but um, uh, that style, I don't think, you could, he could just keep doing that, but I don't think he could get it. I don't think he could make it any better than he had. So yeah. I think it was a, 
from a timing standpoint, it really made sense for him to just step out and do something different. Is he still doing the lowered stuff? Everyone's we'll have on? to ask him that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, I think he's still obviously involved in 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 that in that type of work. I just don't know. It, it's hard to say where this will will take him. But I can imagine though, is is like you said, when once you get to that level of expertise and and you have such a refined product it could probably get kind of boring because you go okay where else can i take this you know and when you're in dell's stage where where you do have such refined product and such a specific style it is kind of hard to expand and if you're a creative person that can get you know it can get very uh you know frustrating to not be able to keep moving forward and keep designing new things it's just kind of you know almost becomes a little bit stale but only reason because you've become so good at it. So in order to, to kind of venture off and keep being creative, you almost have to go into a totally different route, go in a different direction instead of go up instead of down. Yeah. Dell's certainly one of them. And I have other builders that they're, they're always, um, I guess always learning might Mm -hmm. be the right way to look at it. Um, there, uh, there are certainly builders that are out there who are doing just fine sort of, um, punching out the types of projects that they do. And, and some of them are, are completely fine with that. And yeah. they're the ones that are probably from a financial standpoint doing quite well. Um, but I also, I also, um, which I respect that a hundred percent. Um, but the ones that are uh, like learning or seeking or trying new things, um, uh, I, I, I think specifically in the world that we live in, which is, um, uh, kind of has its own constraints, like period, um, hot rod and custom design. There, there's uh, it definitely has a fence around it, um, but within that, uh, you can you can be as creative um, as you want to be within those within those confines. Yeah, well, I think especially like you said, learning, kind of exposing yourself to different ways of doing things in different cultures is probably the best way that you can start to to get some ideas of things. You yeah. know, start looking into the four wheel drive stuff. Start looking at you know European cars, totally different styles and designs that you probably never would have thought to look at before. And then that's where you're going to get some inspiration that you could incorporate to what you're already doing. Right. At least that's that. That's what I usually find. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's, I guess I'm learning through my own projects. The pickup truck is a great example. You know, once I realized that I didn't want to own a two wheel drive lowered truck anymore, I was like, well, I don't really want to get rid of this thing because it's part of me and I don't want to, I, I, I want it to stay with me, so let's make a change. So I got in touch with um, Allied Fab, uh, Jason Wiedner uh, at Allied Fab, and and, uh, had a great conversation with him and told him what I wanted to do, and he did exactly the 4x4 conversion that I wanted. Um, It's not, you know, it's it's pretty humble when it, in comparison to like a Delmo truck, it doesn't have a, you know, some crazy suspension and stuff, but it's, it's just a good old truck that um they did fantastic work on they uh, boxed the frame and put uh, uh late 70s f-150 suspension under it and it i love driving it I that's really great do. i haven't driven it for a while so today was a nice that's a perfect nice yeah i was i was stoked when you pulled that thing up because i'd seen some of it on instagram before and so i thought and then also let's get into uh the canopy that you have on the back there super rad yeah so um I guess call that a special project too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason at Allied uh, and I 
um, as we were working on the the four by four conversion, um, I said, "Man, this thing would really look awesome with an old camper shell on it." And I did, you know, some looking for an old one, uh, and quickly realized just with the proportions of that truck the way they are, um, I wasn't going to find exactly what I wanted, and I knew I was going to be too picky on how it, you know, how it looked and how it fit. And uh, so he said, "Damn, let's just build one." So uh, that turned into the prototype of the trail cap, uh, which we have built. That's awesome. And have, is that the first one that you've built so far? That's the first one. Yeah. So um, it was just uh, I didn't really have any specific ideas on turning it into, into anything other than let's just build this and see where it goes. But um, I decided, well, as we do that, let's make our own Instagram account for that for that. Um, canopy. What what uh, is what is at Trail Cap or I don't remember. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to follow. I haven't uh, followed that one yet. I think it's Trail Cap Camper Shells. Okay. I think is what it is. Um, but uh, we said let's just make a, an account and just kind of see if it has legs. Because um, everyone, you know, as we were progressing, everyone that we would run into were just completely blown away by it. And yeah. Um, I didn't really know how you know how it would do. Uh, we got it done, and and um, I I can tell you that there's nothing else that I've ever done to a vehicle that has got um, more. Um, what's the right word? More interest than that. That's than impressive. that camper show. It must just be the the four wheel drive is just in right now. I think that that's there's part that. Of what yeah, it is. I mean. Um, Obviously, when I did when I made the change with the four by four truck, that that hits a certain type of uh, audience or yeah. whatever, um, and people thought I was crazy when I um, when I did it because a lot of people. That's how you know that. you're onto something. <laughs> a lot of people love that uh, that unibody that I had or my unibody when it was lowered, and then when I did the four by four conversion, I chose not to tell anybody that I was doing it until yeah. it was done. Which I, because I knew that there were going to be a lot of armchair quarterbacks saying that I was nuts. Yeah. Um, that's well, that's what people are doing with me to this Mustang right now. Exactly. Right? I love so it you when know. people are all, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Blasphemy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so once I got the, you know, the four by four conversion done, it was, I mean, it got some interest, uh, but it's just, a, you know, right now it just looks like an old four by four pickup truck. Putting that, uh, the, the camper shell on it, I, I mean, it, it's it's mind-boggling how it um, changes the way that truck looks and the way people perceive and uh, appreciate that truck is completely different now. It's phenomenal. And most people too. think that it's an old camper shell yeah. that's been fully restored. Um, uh, so, yeah. It's phenomenal. Like, the, the fabrication in that is just... It's great. Well, that have a lot of good people working on that project. Yeah. So, um, and that's Allied Fab, right? Who built that one? Uh, so the the camper shell. Yeah. So that was a combination. So I um I did the design work, worked with Ethan at Allied um uh, on the on the initial concept, and then I worked with uh, I have a three D guy that works with me, John McInnes, uh, excellent designer in his own right. Uh, did a bunch of work uh, on that project and then um we had a uh, uh a fella in uh portland mark hers uh, do the machine work for the the main pieces and then it was kind of all hands on deck uh me and and uh jason and ethan and then i brought in a fellow by the name of chris chapman uh who is uh 
a really fantastic fabricator um, to help sort of uh, get it all get it all done. A um, lot of lot of people involved. And are you guys working on? Do you have any commissions to build anymore right now? We have a lot of interest, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I I've sort of you know I've been pushing back on that as much as possible because I knew that like once we realized that that they were going to be pretty popular, um, I said well as good as this first one is and it's good like um it's a really good prototype it's still just just a prototype it's going to be better yeah and this you know the the issues that we came up against on the first one every single one of them I can wrap my head around and sort of understand you know where um where we need to go to to make improvements uh, all of us collectively feel that same way so um, the second one's going to be just that much better. Yeah. And that one, um, is essentially a costing prototype. So the first one, because the processes are so different, I don't really even know how much this thing's going to cost to build, uh, until yeah. we get this, this second prototype built, we'll, we'll have a really good handle on that. So, so are you going, is your plan to do something to where somebody comes to you and they say, Hey, I want one of these for this truck and they have one built for them custom, or is your idea to have more of a product line to where you can just go and you can purchase one. I mean, as, as, as much interest as we've had, I don't, I don't see this being, you know, this isn't going to turn into some crazy production line. Um, we'll be building them to order. Yeah. 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 So to order for specific trucks and, um, you know, the old gem tops as cool as they were, they were sort of made in a pretty generic format where they would work on a bunch of different trucks and, and these ones are going to be more tailor-made so like my that unibody uh, camper shell it wouldn't really fit on any other truck so yeah yeah well so that i would imagine probably what you would do is you just have kind of a reserve and an idea of this is how we build this one for this truck this is how we build this one for this truck and when somebody has you know their year range that they want to build it for you just pull out your patterns and whip it out. Yeah. So um, the way that the way that it's designed, it's basically going to be the same the the same canopy, just slightly uh, massaged parts, uh, cut to fit the dimensions of the truck. Yeah, I think the style of it is perfect. Yeah, the, aesthetically, it shouldn't change very much. Yeah, that's great. How do you how do you even go about designing something like that? Because I see all the work that you do on the computer. Um, I don't I don't I don't. Did you share anything for the camper specifically? Because I don't think I remember seeing a little bit. And, but but just as far as the camper, as far as your cars, just you know, you have a very distinguished, distinct style that people can tell. That's an Eric Black, you know, rendering. I guess you would call it on the computer. How do you even go about that? If you or is, are these like some secrets that you know? You don't you don't tell people your secrets. Um, well, it usually starts out as a napkin sketch, and then mm-hmm. I just keep doing the uh, keep working through a sketch and, until it becomes a refined drawing. Um, but I, a lot of people ask about drawing technique, and I'm 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 okay talking about that, but I'm more interested in design. So yeah. from the design standpoint, um, I look at everything. Like I'll look at. Um, watches and you know vintage watches you you talked about european cars i look at european cars all the time vintage european cars um uh it depends on what we're designing but you can get inspiration from from really anything um uh and it's i guess it's the way that you look at it so like that stool right there yep that could inform the way that a a a dash 
is is uh, is designed in the way that the the metal is relieved the way that the way that it is um, you can pick like I can look around the room and, and come up with inspiration pretty much anywhere so I think that that's like um, just on the last podcast we had Greg Macy and he was telling me how for one of the cars that he designed he found inspiration from like oh, a woman's face a model's face yeah to design the front grill and that that type of stuff has always impressed me because I never thought of thinking that far outside the box you know, I mean, what the whole watches thing I can kind of, I mean, but then again, what to me, watches are always designed after kind of cars. That's the way I see it. But I've never thought of that far outside of the box. Cause when I think of different design ideas or different ideas for a car, I usually think of it in terms of, uh, cars that I know, right. Oh, we could, we could kind of do this like the Pearson brothers coupe, or we could kind of do this like the Don Spencer roadster. That's that's more of the way that I think. And that's so I, an excellent way of thinking as well because because it allows you to to um, it allows both you and and who you're dealing with the ability to visualize pretty quickly what yeah. you're feeling from a period standpoint. Right. Yeah. Well, like I said, if I mean maybe if I could if I could draw, then I would be able to find some inspiration <laughs> from all the wild stuff that you guys find it. But but yeah, we should we should have a little drawing contest because because everybody always thinks, oh no, sure you can draw. You don't you don't you don't know. Well, I think it's a matter of being able to just convey an idea. And I've I've yeah. had usually I run up against somebody that wants to share an idea, but they don't want to share their drawing with me because they're scared. There's, there's, yeah. you know, they're scared to share it. But I say like, even like the, you know, like a very simple napkin sketch can go a long ways for helping uh, me understand what the, you know, what you have in your head. Right. Uh, which is important. Um, and, and I think at the beginning of this, you might've, you might've been asking this. And I don't know if I answered it. Like um, very often I'm translating a builder's ideas on a project. That's a perfect way to put it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm also brought in if there are no ideas <laughs> and to say, you know, we have this 36 Ford coupe, we don't know what to do with it. Right. We have no, you know, basically starting from scratch, you know, I, I, I love doing that, but I also love, I love interpreting ideas, uh, and then trying to help refine those. So, um, uh, the builders that I like working with, um, will have, you know, both of those types of projects. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've I've recently had some people like that who they come to me to kind of seek out ideas, and I mean, that's the, to me that's a very big honor when somebody contacts me and they say, "Hey, I have this car that I'm going to build. You know, what do you think about this?" And kind of run some stuff by me. What what should I do with this? You know, to me, that's a very big honor that that somebody's willing to reach out to me and ask for some advice or some ideas of of what might look cool. But then again, my kind of frame of reference is just cars that I've seen built and, and different things I've seen in magazines or read in books, that sort of thing. It's not so much, you know, a broad influence from everything and, and being able to sketch it out, you know? Right. Well, yeah. Getting, getting your perspective based on the knowledge that you have is, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a, that is a good honor to have for sure. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had projects where I I was able to sort of reach back into the back of my brain and re- remember stuff from 20 years ago or whatever um, uh, on on an idea and and be able to and, and that's a cool feeling to to be able to remember that I don't know if I'll, I don't know how much longer I'll be able to remember stuff like that but uh, to be able to um, 
really give value based on the things that you've learned over the years is right. is uh, that's kind of what it's all about. Well, and also it's kind of just always expanding your knowledge. At least that's what I think. That's what I try to do with myself. Excuse me. Is always trying to is kind of study it. Look at new books. Look at you know magazines or old ways or new ways of doing things and and kind of see if you can find this range of things to where when you do have something to where you have ideas from that's that's like my friend gary emery he's he's super super involved in the porsche world Mm -hmm. and super super involved in the hot rod world and the way that he brings things together is just so i mean it's funny you mentioned gary because um my friend dave lyon uh, that's who built my A Roadster. Have you seen that? I don't know if you've seen that. David car. Lyons, that's a friend of Mark Jacobs. I think I know him. Yeah. 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 So uh, Dave's a good friend of mine. Uh, we were really close for a number of years and kind of drifted apart a little bit, but that's another story. Um, I have his old uh, 29 Roadster. Uh-huh. And the taillights that are on that are Porsche. Those came from Gary. Really? Okay. Yes, I I care. I know. Now I know who you're talking about. David Lyons, yeah. Dave um, was was in Corvallis, had a shop in Corvallis, and he was, when the Emery's moved up here, Dave was the Porsche guy, really one of the only Porsche guys in the area. So when when the Emery's moved up here, Gary was asking around, well, who, who does Porsches around here? And they said, oh, this guy down in... Corvallis, Dave Lyon, and that, and they became they became pretty good buds. And Dave had since you know over the years got out of the Porsche world. He sold his A Coupe. I, I don't know those. I don't know those cars. <laughs> I, I don't have enough money to to know those cars. But um, he sold his three fifty six A Coupe. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So he yeah. Had, he had a three fifty six Coupe that he gotcha. sold yeah. way too early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, from a financial standpoint, yep. um, and then he retired from, he sold his business and retired. So, but uh, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Gary, because uh, uh, I have sort of a uh, indirect history with, with Gary and, and Rod. Yeah, yeah, Gary, I mean, like I said, he's a mile down the road, and, and he's always been our idea guy. For the Double Trouble Roadster over here, if you look at this exhaust pipe there, that's a 911R inspire, inspired megaphone. <laughs> Who who would think of that? Yeah. You know, let's put a Porsche exhaust on a on an old Model A hot rod, but it just works. And like his uh, his four door Baja Bug that he's building right now. So of course he came up with the with the original idea of the Baja Bug. But when he first did it, his fenders were turned way you know because it's both front fenders turned forward to where the actual headlights work. Mm-hmm. But on this one, he tipped the fenders back, kind of rolled them back really far to where it looks like the headlights would be pointing straight up at the sky. And you're thinking, what are you doing, Gary? <laughs> but what he did was, is he took big, uh, you know, Model A industrial headlights and put them in there and it just fit perfectly. It's just like a headlight bucket. And then he drilled a hole through, tightened the nut. And so now he has big, you know, Model A headlights with his little driving lights down on the center. Oh my God. And it, it just looks like it's supposed to be that way. And who would have thought to, you know, but, but with his experience that he has from the two worlds, he yeah. usually ends up merging them together to create something that, you know just fits yeah totally yeah it's and a good I, way to be i think it's hard sometimes to do that without without looking like you just kind of copy and pasted oh well that's porsche oh well that's hot rod and actually making it to be something to where it blends together and fits you know it doesn't just well it's in their dna yeah <laughs> yeah uh, the emory family for sure Mm-hmm. yeah well what what 
are some exciting projects that you have coming up? Or is there anything you can share with us um, that you have some exciting stuff coming up? So that little uh, idea for the Italian-inspired coupe, mm-hmm. um, I can't share anything, unfortunately, but that that is a project that's actually moving forward. So that 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 was my first uh, my first true uh, success off of that special projects. Um, and, oh, so uh, that was that was one of the ones that was in the special projects, and yeah. somebody picked it up. Gotcha. So it was uh, basically a, um, a a a coupe idea that I came up with. Um, I, I guess um, my love for a specific um, Maserati coupe. Uh, kind of led me to uh, to draw this car up, and um, uh, Andy Leach out of Nebraska uh, has Cal. Uh, uh, he he's going to do the the project, and and um, we're just getting rolling on it. I unfortunately, it's like everything. I can't yep. sh- I can't really share any of the built uh, of the projects when they're under construction. So yeah, but that one's going to be that one's going to be a lot of fun. That's basically everything is being built from scratch on that just a hundred percent from the ground up pretty much I yeah mean, uh, uh, so do you do you find um when you do have that do you have involvement in sort of that whole process of like frame design and and the way the, kind of the motor will sit or that type of stuff or is it mostly just the as 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 much as um you know i'm not an engineer uh, and, uh, I think that I have my limits, but I, I have a pretty good understanding of how things go together. Right. Um, and then also, I guess some knowledge of, of, you know, history with these cars. Um, so I'm, I'm involved in, in as much as, uh, as they'll let me be. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like that's, that's a big part of, you know, your, cause like you said, you're not an engineer, so you might not be designing the specific areas that are going to be structural, but a lot of times your frame or where the motor sits or, or all that type of stuff, it's all part of the stance and the, the finished product of the vehicle that really determines the way everything looks, you know? Yeah. That one, that one is a, is, will be the, as involved as I've ever been on a project where we went from the concept sketches, uh, in, into doing, uh, to what I, uh, I did two-dimensional CAD drawings that then were translated to uh, 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 my uh, designer, John McInnes, who put it into a 3D model. So we have a, actually th- a 3D surface model of that of that project. Um, so ev- pretty much everything will be designed uh, in the computer before it gets built. That's kind of the plan. What do you do your two-dimensional stuff on? So... Um, I have a Wacom, uh, W-A-C-O-M, uh, some people call it Wacom, I call it Wacom, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, uh, but it's a monitor that I can draw directly onto. Oh, okay. So it's as close to a, a true hand drawing that you can have in the computer, um, and it's nothing novel, a lot of people use yeah. it, but uh, I guess I've just um, figured out how to make it work for me, and, and the way that i um, build the drawings are done in a way to allow us to test a bunch of different ideas without too much pain involved so we can move you know, you know proportions and yeah and stuff around so so when you actually see the renderings those digital renderings those are actually hand drawn on this thing that's right that's super impressive yeah. that's even because see i thought it was more of just kind of you know i've seen some people that kind of revert not revert convert something to a 
a rendering based off of an actual picture of a car or they'll take pieces of this and pieces of that. I thought that was more along the lines of what you're doing, but it's actually all the way drawn from from the beginning. Right. Yeah. So it's it's not on paper. I have a lot of respect <clears throat> for like Steve Stanford and, and others that have stuck to the what the old analog route. Um, uh, and I just I wanted to be able to use the drawings in a more useful way in terms of being able to test ideas. So that's where the computer really comes in, and and um, but I didn't want to just create on the computer. I'm I'm uh, I really like the the process of drawing. So this is kind of the best of of all of that um, mixed together. You know, I still do hand you know I still do hand drawings, yeah. and I I've recently um, I got to hang out with Jackie Howerton um, uh, a couple months ago, and he's built some incredible cars. Uh, he built the uh, the Howerton uh, Roadster, which uh, SoCal, SoCal ended up finishing, and, and they won the AMBR uh, 10 years ago plus, probably, maybe more than that. Um, uh, but anyway, he's built some amazing cars, and an incredible mind uh, Howerton has. Uh, but I got to see his hand drawings um, mm-hmm. in person, and it, it was inspiring. So I, I uh, dug out my old drafting uh, board and started hand drawing yeah. again just because I, I I guess I realized how much I had missed it. So when you started off, when you're still doing architecture and you did it on the side, were you just doing hand drawings or did you start straight off on the computer? When I went to architecture school, that was right when computers were sort of taking over. Um, what, what a year's about was this? Uh, I was um, the mid to late 90s was when I was in school mm-hmm. uh, and then when I got out it was uh, right around 2000 um, and that that the the drafting boards had, had already been put away for the most part in the right uh, in the offices so but I and when I was in school I I kind of realized that there was going to be this shift and I was it's funny because I was I was a few years older than uh, the other people in the school and most of the others in the school and and um, I found that um, I, I I resisted working on in the computer um, and I was sort of the one guy that was doing hand drawing because yeah. I was I was I was pretty good at drawing so uh, and I and I really enjoyed it a lot of people had already made the shift to the computer and then uh, I was one of the last in the school to kind of make that switch. It's kind of funny now that now I'm everything I do is in the computer. Yeah. <laughs> what What is architecture school like? When, when I mean, is it? Oh, like, it's hell. <laughs> well, like, well, explain it. What was the hell? Um, it's a lot of uh, uh, if you're if you're dedicated, it's a lot of hours. I mean, yeah. it is it is an in, very intense. Uh, it, I guess every school is different. I went to U of O. Um, and design school, I think just in particular, is very, very demanding. So you spend hours and hours and hours working on a, you know, a design for, you know, some theoretical project. Theor- <laughs> that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> and then, you you know, you get all you get it all done at the end of the term and pin it up on the wall and your and your professors come by and just completely destroy you. Apart. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you still have to go through all your regular college courses and everything, and then there's this architecture yeah. side of things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is it? It do you? So I mean, you felt like you got pretty stale in in what you were doing with the architecture thing, or do you still have any interest in that at all? Um, I was pretty jaded when I got out. Yeah. Uh, 
and in the profession of architecture isn't um isn't the ideal yeah so and i think i, I just remember there was um I took this last class that I had to take for my degree. Um, the the instruct the professor um, was telling us he's like all you hotshot designers that think you know what you're doing in this school that you know that are one up and everybody on on your in your design um, studio work. Um, you're gonna get out in the real world and and you're just gonna hate it. And I was right. I was like I remember looking around I'm like he's talking about me. <laughs> Yeah. Then I got out in the real world and he was right. Like yeah. it, the, the profession, it, it's, uh, I don't want to badmouth it too much, but it's, it's not, it's not what they sell you when you go to, when you go to school. Do you have like a lot of restraints and, and kind of what you're able to design and do? Um, I would say that n- like 95% of, of, architecture the buildings that get built are just um how do i say it nicely um design is not the is not the first factor in 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 the construction of that building right so and i was always a designer like i like i was interested in architecture because of design so the the i think there are very very few architects out there who are really able to do what their calling is. And I think I, I, I guess I realized that there are way too many architects in the world. So I, I was able to pretty easily remove myself from the equation yeah. and not feel too bad about it. Yeah. It's, I it's, don't, I don't miss the profession of architecture. I, I, I'm, I'm finally able to look at buildings again and appreciate Have a respect them. for, yeah, yeah. And be like, okay, that's, yeah. I like how they did that and how that I might, have tweaked that a little bit that that sort of a situation yeah yeah did you do you still uh, see any buildings that that you were uh the designer for um it's funny i was down in salem uh uh i guess a couple months ago and i stopped by uh, the first building that i worked on right out of school uh-huh. and i didn't have a huge involvement in it but it was i you know i did some stuff and yeah uh and it was cool to kind of drive by and see it everything's it, all it's still full holding circle. up so. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny because um i'm a process guy and the the problem that i had with architecture and it's just a i guess a personal issue of mine and something that i need to work on is is uh, i'm a very collaborative person and buildings are a little bit like these hot rod projects they're super complex and there's so many people in play uh and unfortunately for for the difference between um, what I did and what I do is is the architecture was very bottom line driven. Yeah. So um, uh, it was always about the lowest, you know, the lowest bidder. So you right. weren't able to, you really weren't able to design um, a project with the notion of creating art. You were designing a, a, a project with the notion that, you know, it's going to be bid by five subcontractors and the lowest bid's going to win and you're not guaranteed that you're going to have like the best craftsman on on board at least in the projects that I worked on I was working on like higher ed um, projects for the most part yeah um, there are other aspects of architecture other other areas of architecture like high-end residential where you do get that that sort of benefit um, 
but compare that to what I do now, and I'm working with the best craftsmen in the world, in my in my opinion. So that from a from a end product um, quality standpoint, it's night and day. Well, people don't really build buildings for the same reason that they build cars. Exactly. You know, there's yeah. there's a huge difference, and it's honestly, it's impressive to me that there's such a big industry out there, and that you know. You're not just here. I go again with the you know. I'm, I got to stop this you know thing. I listened to the last podcast with Greg Macy. You know, you know. <laughs> just so everybody's listening, I am conscious of it. Anyways, you. It's really impressive to me that there's such a big industry that you are able to not just have a job like this, and I'm able to have a job like this, but you're actually able to be pretty successful. I mean, it's it's seriously impressive, and I think it's I think it kind of gives people, probably young people, hope that hey. You know, there is, here we go again, you know, there is something out there that if you have a dream of something you would like to do, it's actually possible. Oh, 100%. And step outside the box a little bit and not be so just, I want to be an architect or I want to be this. There's actually way more out there that you can kind of expand your reach and, and see what else there is out there. The one thing that I'm constantly reminded of is that none of this is necessary. Like none yeah. of this car stuff that we do. Yeah is is necessary in the sense that the you know the world doesn't specifically need this stuff but right. um i th- when i'm driving my old truck down the road and i see a kid you know pop his head up and look and see this thing that he's never seen before and he gets a smile on his face i think there's something to be said for that um and uh i think that um the the ability to allow a, a complete industry uh, of craftsmen to do things that they love and also put, you know, food on their table is, is pretty, pretty cool. Well, it's, it's the, what's the, the hierarchy of needs. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Cars are part of the hierarchy of needs. Once once you have food, you have a place to sleep. Okay. Now we need a car because, because to people who are involved in the car thing, that is such a piece of art and it brings you so much joy to, you know, see how a little kid's excited to see it or you're driving down the road and the feeling that it gives you to, to go on road trips with it and experience it. I think that that's probably my favorite part of cars. So it's up there on your hierarchy. <laughs> okay. You know, let's, let's be honest. I probably work on my cars before I eat most of the time. <laughs> I, I switched my job so I could starve and become a, an entrepreneur here and I'm enjoying it though. So, yeah. so cars are, cars are, Cars, then eat, and then find a place okay. to stay. You can sleep sense. in your car. Yeah. You can't right. eat your car. At least that's whatever. You could try. But, but yeah, I think it's super cool. And I think you are a good example to young people that you can have an idea of what you're going to do. I'm going to go be an architect and totally just flip a 180. We're not going that direction anymore. Let's do something completely different. And something totally wild. We're going to design cars. Who would think that you would be able to have a, a successful career just drawing and designing cars yeah i wouldn't have thought of it yeah (laughs) yeah well we're at over an hour now mr eric black all right thank you very much for coming on it's been an absolute blast thank you i really appreciate appreciate it it. for making this long drive all the way over here luckily it wasn't too icy for you but you got a four-wheel drive so you're good to go well it going's fine stopping might be another (laughs) no abs situation that's right yeah thanks again for coming on eric really appreciate it thank you no i appreciate it